We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? It's a podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Steven. I am the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, what's the good word? To hell with Georgia and break the U over the knee. We are, we ain't scared of no hurricanes. We Use down, if that, that works. I know right. they do it with Texas. I like it. I saw it in the stands. I saw it with some tech. I believe Sea Dog was giving that... Uh, <clears throat> was giving that motion. Shout out to Sea Dog and, and his channel. Uh, we are here to celebrate a fantastic and unique and wild and weird and crazy football victory. We also want to deliver some other news. What we're going to do is we're going to give you the news up front like we usually do. We are also going to break down the game a little bit and we're entering the bye week. So a little bit of a chance to make some thoughts, some initial thoughts about where we are at this point in the football season. Before we get to all of that, I do want to get back to a couple of acknowledgments. First of all, we do want to acknowledge Roman Reigns, also known as Joseph Anoa'i, former Georgia Tech defensive tackle, who continues in his reign as WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion, I believe as of this taping, 1,133 days. And that is important, Joshua, based on the game we just watched. Do you know why? Why? Because we acknowledge Roman Reigns as champion, and one of the ways we acknowledge him is we are willing to kneel before him as head of the table. Perhaps Miami does not acknowledge Roman Reigns. I, I would not think so. They're, they're more Clearly a, they they're, didn't. They're more of a Dwayne Johnson fan. Anyway. Ex- exactly, and that is what hurt them on Saturday, among many other things that we'll talk about. One other thing I want to acknowledge, we have told you guys that uh, if you know another tech fan or alum, please pass along stuff about the show. And we just want to thank the dozens and dozens of uh, What's the Good Word fans for listening to us. This is episode number 49, I believe. And we've, we've reached a couple of very important milestones. If you'll allow me to acknowledge you guys as our fans and our listeners, and we thank you so much. We are just over a year into doing this, and I now have some statistics that I can kind of look at in analytics. Being a tech alum, I'm going to look at the analytics, and I am happy to say that one year later, we are averaging about 50% more listeners than we did the year before. Now, before you make the joke, no, I'm not saying that we've gone from 8 to 12 listeners. The dozens and dozens is actually now fairly true. And we're very happy. And, and I'm just tracking downloads. So I'm sure the listens are a little bit more than that. We want to thank you. And we want to ask and continue to ask that if you know any other tech fans, as you meet people and as you see people on the street, and I know you I know you nod at them and go, hey, what's the good word? And they say to hell with Georgia. Also say, by the way, that's a great podcast. So there's my little uh, marketing tip for the day. And anything you guys do, we so appreciate it. We appreciate that you keep listening. We hope we entertain you and inform you. And so with that, let's get into the news. Joshua, you have the first news story of the day. I do indeed. So a couple recruiting tidbits to talk about. Do you want the bad news or the good news first, Stephen? Let's start with the bad. Okay, well, the bad news is after the 
frankly embarrassing loss to Bowling Green. Georgia Tech lost a 2024 football player that had committed. It was one of the more notable ones, C.J. Jackson. Um, in the composite on 24-7 sports, he is number 194 in the national rankings, the number 15 edge rusher and number 25 in the state of Georgia. Now, 24-7 by their own rankings is a little lower on him. They've got him as the 25, 25th ranked edge rusher, 38th ranked player in the state of Georgia. So 24-7 by themselves does not exactly is not exactly as hyped about him as some of the other places. Still a very good player. He chose to decommit from the program after that loss. And in all fairness, he does have quite the impressive list of offers. LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Clemson, Colorado, Georgia, Ole Miss, Tennessee, a lot of lot of SEC schools. All right. Most of fine. the SEC. So he is he has said he's at least opening up his recruiting again. We wish you luck in all your future endeavors. Notably, he was the only one. Normally, after a loss yeah. like that, you'll lose at least two. But everybody else stayed committed. So, CJ Jackson, we bid you adieu and have a good rest of your life. Wait, are we saying much like fans, some teenagers kind of sway with the wind and change <laughs> yes, their minds? Believe it or not. I can't believe it. If you haven't right. paying attention to college football, <laughs> welcome to the welcome to the new world, the Wild West. Give the me the Wild give West. me the good news. Well, the good news is related to basketball yeah. recruiting. So over the weekend, Chase McCarty out of IMG Academy in Florida. He announced his top five. He is a 2024 guard prospect, or some all four, technically, 6'5", 200 pounds, uh, ranked 55 in the national rankings by 24-7, 73 in the composite. He announced his top five, and his top five consists of Houston, Texas Tech, Tennessee, Georgia Tech, and it's we, not listed. We don't care about the fifth team, as long as we're on the list. I guess that's true. So Georgia Tech, Houston, <clears throat> Kansas, Tennessee, and yeah, I believe yeah. Texas Kansas, Tech. Kansas. Kansas. So, so Texas Tech, you said the first time. Yeah, so Georgia Tech is making waves again with another high-level recruit. They're De- still in the contention for Jakari Harris. Yeah. They've already gotten Jaden Mustaf. They're talking to a couple other overtime elite guys. Damon is making moves. De- listen, the season Damon begins. is talking – Damon is targeting a lot of high-profile guys. And yeah. he said in his pre in his preseason – press conference that he likes to bring in young guys and wants to keep them in the program. So I like that. And his transfers, certainly I'm excited to see them play this year. Lots of excitement around the basketball program. One other program that there's a lot of excitement about is the Georgia tech volleyball team. Uh, Unfortunately, it's a little bit of bad news. Good news there. First, I won't ask you, I'll just start based on the games. After this week, this last week of playing, uh, the Georgia Tech volleyball team does stand at 14-2 and two overall. So you regular listeners will go, wait a minute, it's always been one loss. That's correct. They did lose their first game. These were the last two games on the road before coming home for a little while. So they went to number seven Pitt. Pitt, I believe, is at the top or at least second in the ACC. They fell in five sets to, to Pitt. So uh, Pitt is let's so Pitt went to fourteen and two overall, but Pitt went to five and zero in the conference. They lost, like I said, they lost in five sets. It was 23-25, 23-25. They were down o two. They came storming back twenty five seventeen, twenty five fifteen, and then lost in the fifth and deciding set fifteen to eight. Senior outside hitter Tamara Oteen had a stellar outing as normal. 23 kills, 13 digs. Bianca Bertolini had four aces from the service line. Man, she is just like queen, ace, uh, I was going to say ace of hearts. She called her ace Ventura. Ace of jackets. I, I don't know. So she had six kills, seven digs. There were there were some other stuff going on really well 
and uh, we we shout them out. You know, Pitt has kind of been a thorn. We haven't been able to beat them the last couple of years. I, I hope the Lady Jackets figure them out uh, come tournament time. They did, however, rebound on the last uh, game, last match of the of the last couple of weeks being on the road. So they did battle past Virginia again, another five setter, and one. Uh, let me see if I can get some quick stats. Sorry about that. They, <clears throat> uh, it's their third straight five set match, and this one they won the first one twenty five to eleven. Hot start. Yeah. Lost the second uh, second round, 21-20, or excuse me, second set, 21-25. Then reversed that score, 25-21. Lost 22-25, and then won 15-13. So a very hard-fought game by the Cavaliers, hard-fought match by the Cavaliers. Yellow Jackets, though, did earn the 3-2 triumph. And guess who had a great match yet again? Who? (laughs) I'll give you one guess. And her name is Tamara Oteen. Oh, no way. As uh, RamblingRec.com uh, put it, yet another spectacular performance. She was the 13th Yellow Jacket in program history to join the 2020 Double Double Club with 20 kills and 20 digs. She also, she had three aces. And uh, Bianca Bertolini, 14 kills, 14 digs on top of four blocks. And freshman right side hitter Larissa Mendez completed the Three-handed brace on both ends, pitching in 17 kills and six digs. And she also had four blocks, just like Bertolino. The Lady Jackets are growing. The Lady Jackets did go one and one this year, but they now uh, enter in next week 14 and two, and they are five and one in the conference. They were 11th ranked going into the week. I really don't think that'll change much. I mean, yeah, losing uh, to number seven normally doesn't really kill your chances. Absolutely. So this week they are at home, uh, Friday against Florida state and Sunday against, Hey, the U coming to O'Keefe Sunday at one o'clock. Well, luckily, luckily for, for them, they won't have the opportunity to have to run out the clock. They've just got to score 25 points. to win the set. <laughs> so there's no, no chance for any kind of bad coaching decisions. So two straight weeks of home matches for the Yellow Jacket volleyball team, all at O'Keefe. If you want to see them uh, play, they're playing Friday and Sunday this week and Friday and Sunday next week. So Friday, Sunday games uh, against Florida State, Miami, Duke, and North Carolina. Go Jackets. All right. Well, we brought you a golf story on the last episode. We did. They were at the Ben Hogan Collegiate Invitational. Hey, I know that guy. You know that guy? I, I know of him. Yeah, I go. did not meet him. I, I figured. So um, we did let you know that they threw two rounds. They team was tied for 11th, and Crystal Lamprecht was playing pretty well. So they finished that up. We're going to go ahead and just give it to you just in case you got busy and didn't check in on the Georgia Tech <laughs> yellow, which I understand, right? I mean, everybody's got a busy life. It's October. We're getting around to the holiday season. You oh, gotta... I, got, I got wrapped up in my emails, and I forgot to check. So Christo Lamprecht in the final round shot four under par, and he ended up – he was tied for first place, but after a playoff, he unfortunately ended up his second place as the bridesmaid, not the bride. But Christo Lamprecht still a fantastic performance, four under par in the final round, while number four Georgia Tech shot one under par in the final round and then as a team finished in eighth place. They were tied for 11th, so they at least jumped three spots. And again, as we said last week, this was not their top line. This, they were, this, this was not – I don't think Hiroshi Tai was there. This I believe or... he was. Okay. So, so but to, to get around. Again, they're 
there. So for the second straight round, Lampert was the only jacket to deliver a subpar round. Uh, senior Bartley Forrester was an even par 70. Sophomore Hiroshi Tai shot one over, and Aiden Tran, sophomore, added a two over par. Okay. While uh, freshman Carson Kim shot a 77, which would be about seven over par. So a lot of it was Christo. Let's right. keep it that way. Um, right. The next closest one was Ty, who finished 25th place in the tournament, while Forrester was 43rd. And so Vanderbilt was the one who won the tournament. They won by a single stroke over the number one ranked team in the nation, North Carolina. Uh, da, da, da. And yeah, I mean, Lampert 66 in the final round was the best round of the day. And he 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 played well. Christo Lampert is looking like a future pro. Let's yeah, keep it that well, way. And, <clears throat> and he has a shot to compete yet again for the national title on an individual basis. We'll see how it goes. This is the fall season. They they ramp up more in the spring season. Yes. So, so kudos the to the golf team. Next tournament will be Friday, October thirteenth. Or sorry, um, th- this coming weekend from the fourteenth to the fifteenth, or thirteenth for the fifteenth, they're gonna play in the Golf Club of Georgia Collegiate Invitational over in Alpharetta. Nice. All right, go Jackets. All Stay right, home. this is uh, thank you for staying with us through the news. It is time to transition to talk about what just happened. This last weekend, two weeks in a row, two very different emotions, but the same reaction of, what did I just watch? Yeah, absolutely. Well, in all fairness, I didn't watch it because we were traveling this weekend. No, you watched almost all of it. We, I watched almost all of it. We were paying attention to the Braves game. I had the football game going on my phone, and after the Braves game, I, we were not in the greatest mood, naturally, because they did not look like the Braves, but after Miami got a first down and George Tech was out of timeouts... Just under two minutes. Just right? under two minutes. I turned the game off because I was like, I don't want to watch them run the ball twice and then take a bunch of knees. It's getting close to midnight. Yeah, I'm, You've just watched your favorite baseball team lay an absolute egg against yes. the Phillies, another hated <sighs> team, and Tech playing a hated team in Miami. I just, it was not a good night, and so I wanted it to be over. There was some good, but it's like, okay, here we come yet yes. again. We're going to be close enough. So I, I turned off the game, and I went to bed, <laughs> and I woke up. To a text from one of my at buddies. At what time? At what time? At about 11.15, I believe. No, not at night. No, it was like 2 in the morning, wasn't it? You told oh, me. Oh, yeah. I woke, so I woke up at 4 in the morning for yeah. various reasons. I get a text. I have a text from my buddy that said, wow, what a dub. And I'm in the haziness of waking up. And I'm like, what is he talking about? And so I opened up Bleacher Report, and I found out exactly what he was talking about. Georgia Tech with the most improbable, incredible, sensational comeback win. I think that we've seen since Florida State. Um, when they blocked the, the field goal attempt. So Georgia Tech took home the win 23-20. to Miami made the unfathomably dumb decision with 34 seconds left and the play clock winding down. With Georgia Tech on no third down, outs, no timeouts. Instead of kneeling the ball and the game being over, they ran the ball and Georgia Tech forced a fumble. It was recovered by Kyle Kennard. Yeah, uh, uh, our linebacker caused the fumble, right, Matt? I, be- I believe it was Paul Mawala. Uh, yeah, Paul, Paul Mawala, who yeah. had himself a game. Um, and even if it was right there, it's like, okay, but they're also on the 26 yard line. What are the odds that anything comes of this? Well, Haynes King finally showed up because he had not had a good game up to that point. I uh, threw a 30 yard strike to Malik Rutherford to get them to about the 44 yard line. And then Hayes King rolled out to his right, found Christian Leary behind the defense. The inexplicably, other, the other unfathomable unfathomable on, on a, on a, on a last second hail Mary. The one rule is don't let him get behind you. And Christian Leary was not all behind them. He was two or three steps behind them. 
caught the ball in stride and scored a touchdown. <clears throat> so, uh, if wow. It, yeah, right. I mean, and we can say all we, there are plenty of people who will say we got lucky. There are plenty of people who will say, you, you know, you just won that game because Miami made such a dumb decision. We won that game because up to that point, the defense and to a lesser extent, the offense had put us in a position to have yet another one of those games this year where we could say, hey, we did some good things. Hey, we stood toe-to-toe with a ranked opponent, and up until the fumble, it was going to be, well, we came close. We just got to figure out how to win. I was having those thoughts as I, too, turned off the game. And by the way, you guys can judge us. And by the way, JoshuaJulian26 at Outlook.com. You can email Joshua and me. And let us know how dare you turn the game off. How you call yourself fan and alum? You know, it it, it was an exhausting night. Uh, each of us had our own separate stories, but it was an exhausting night and frustrating night. And I was happy with some things, but I was going to be frustrated that yet again we lost. And thankfully, Miami pulled the stupidest play. You want to talk? And one of the things I've had against Brent Key is he's got to learn how to do some of those right coaching decisions. Thank goodness he hasn't done something stupid like what Cristobal did. And you gave them a shot to pull the ball out. We did. And then, and by the way, Haynes King, not a terrible game. I, he, had, he had had some tough 12 moments. for 25, 151 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Yeah. not well, a, It was not a good game. But he, he had a fantastic, <clears throat> the first touchdown drive. He was he, he was doing more with his legs. He yes. did lead the team in rushing yards with 46, which is a way to say the team was not rushing well. The offense in general did not play well today. They had a couple of good drives, and Haynes was reading the read option and he tried to, and, and emo- he tried to emotionally will the team to stay in the game. Um, other notable, I mean, the biggest notable performance, and this is this is when you look at the stats. I mean, Georgia Tech was outgained. 453 to 250, um, 23 first downs to 13. Georgia Tech also committed 11 penalties, which mm-hmm. you really need to see stop. Like, that's that's not good. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to do that. But the biggest difference in this game, Stephen, Georgia Tech committed two turnovers. Miami committed five. Yeah. Right? There was three picks of Tyler Van Dyke, yeah. which the defense is where it's really where they showed out. It was a lot of DBs just reading the quarterback. Um, you had interceptions from Jalen King, LaMiles Brooks, which was one in the end zone, which was huge, yep. and Amari Harvey. So a couple of them were bad throws by Van Dyke, maybe reading half the defense, not the other half. The one from Jalen King, I remember specifically, he just he was guarding a flat, and he read that he was throwing to the dude that was like 10 yards ahead of him. Yeah. And so he just caught up with him and caught it. And... I just the overall defensive play was fantastic. They were able to stifle the run game to an extent. Um, they did have 165 yards, but it was when it mattered they deed up. Really, kind of kept them out of the end zone. There, there's a. I think this defense, when it's playing well, is a little bit of a bend but don't break. And as they get close, you know, keep them from getting behind you. And as they get close to the end zone, there's our chance to make our stand. I think. I think. You know, Miami played one of those games. Van Dyke threw some horrible passes, but credit to the Tech defense. Check Kevin Scherer. And and credit to the new defensive coordinator. 
<clears throat> who the tackling was much better. Um, uh, the the athleticism showed out a little bit more. Uh, I, I I can't remember. I think it was there was one pick that was almost all pure athletic ability, just kind of pivoting back. There were some really great plays yeah. that the defense made, and so you got to tip your cap. So Georgia Tech to this point has not really put together an entire game. No, either the offense has been great or the defense has been great. Or they've both been horrible. It's almost like we're a six and six team. <laughs> it's almost like we're potentially a six and six team, and we're halfway there. But Brent Key in his career now is three and zero against ranked teams on the road. And I'm going to do a big research project in next week and the bye week. I'm going to bring to you what everybody else's record was. Well, I against and, <clears throat> so I think road this, ranked teams right, and and it's not and it's road ACC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we did lose to Ole Miss. And, yeah. So yeah. So I think, and I asked Joshua this, and so he's going to do a little research. How many other wins, how many wins did Bobby Ross, did George O'Leary, did did Chan Gailey and, and Paul? We'll have those numbers for you next Yeah. Time. How many wins did they have on the road against a ranked ACC team? Because Brent Key is now 3-0 and in his young head coaching career. This I, I will say this. He's also 7-7 seven and seven overall. <laughs> Well, and I will say this to this point. Brent Key is, is like you said, he's 14 games as a head coach, eight as an interim, and now six as the, the full-blown head coach. The one thing I can say about Brent Key to this point, he, more often than not, Bowling Green game aside, more often than not, Brent Key gets his team ready to play. You, you, through Through... 14 games. I haven't liked all the results, but I've watched a team that is at least ready to play. They may not play well all the time. They make mistakes. They, you know, and, and again, Bowling Green, Bowling Green game aside, that's the one we're that, that we're just going to, we have to scrub it from our memories because it's horrible and it's awful and there's nothing good to say, but his teams are ready to play. That that's the one thing I've noticed till now. Um, it's not all hype, you know, that he who is not going to be named. I don't think his teams were ever ready to play. No, they never looked like it. They may looked excited to play, but they weren't ready. Brent Key's team has looked ready. And and if you look at the postgame press conference, by the way, go watch Brent Key's postgame presser. He gets emotional at the very beginning. He says, you don't think these games matter? You, you don't think this, you know, this is important? You know, it is just a game, but hey, this stuff matters. And and he was so excited for his kids. And listen to Haynes King. And, and he said, look, I, you know, our coaches tell us just be ready. All you need is an opportunity. And he goes, and we went into the huddle. And he goes, and I just looked around. And there was there was belief in us and belief in what we were going to do and belief in me. And he goes, we just we just went out there and, and executed what we knew we could execute. Okay. And so hats off to this team for a historic come-from-behind win late that I will, and by the way, I will truthfully say for the rest of my days, yeah, yeah, I turned that game off. That's why you you always watch to the end because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, well, Georgia Tech now sits at fifth in the ACC due to their two on one record in conference. Uh, they will be going into the bye week, as we said, so there will be no football results to report next week. But after that, they go and they play Boston College at home, uh, UNC at home. Virginia, at Virginia, at Clemson, 
Syracuse at home, and then Georgia at home. So, so Joshua, at the beginning three and three. Of the, yeah, at the beginning of the year, we said, we hey, we should wait. I remember, and we didn't want to do win loss, win loss, win loss, but we said beat the two teams you really should beat. Well, they went one and one against them. And then we looked at the Wake Forest, the Louisville Wake Forest in Miami, and said, wow, if you could find a way to win two of those games. They did. Yeah. They beat two of those three first six uh, opponents, and really four if you can't all miss, as really good opponents in the first. And we said, you know, hey, with a building, you might, you know, be happy with two and four if you show up in all the games. We said, hopefully we go three and three or maybe get a chance to go four and two. Now, if you're a, if you're a glass half empty, dang it, we could be four and two if we hadn't laid a, I've seen that sentiment. a, a turn against Bowling Green. Hey, listen, you could have been three and three and had the Miami game going, well, at least we did a couple good things, but boy, they really showed up and, and beat us in every stat line. But they didn't beat us in the score because you put yourself in a position to take advantage of an opportunity. Yeah, there's something to be said. And, and Kennard gave you that opportunity, and the offense took it. There's something to be said on this schedule. I'm just looking at it now. I mean, Brent Key did not, or not, he who shall not be named, did not do us any favors with this scheduling. No, not because at all. there's Louisville is currently ranked. They're currently undefeated, looking like potentially one of the best teams in the ACC. Ole Miss is ranked. Miami was ranked when we played them. UNC, Clemson is on the cusp of being ranked. They've been bad but they're still a good team it's just they've come back to the pack in the ACC and then Georgia there's a lot of ranked teams on the schedule this is a hard schedule for Georgia Tech to play especially when you've got a new coach trying to rebuild a program so the fact that they're three and three right now at all is actually pretty impressive especially when you take into consideration that if they had you know if a couple bounces go their way against Louisville they're four and two if they don't show up and Lay a turn against Bowling Green. They're four and two, and then if both of those happen, you're five and one. With your only loss being against Ole Miss, which you were in until the fourth quarter. So Georgia Tech has exceeded my expectations. In all honesty, I didn't expect. I mean, I kind of hoped they would be three and three around this time. Um, I didn't figure we'd have lost to Bowling Green, but I figured maybe three and three at the bye week if everything goes right. I didn't expect them to be in as many games as they've been in, especially against the ranked teams. I, it's been it's been great to watch. I, there's hope. There is hope. Right, right. And if you don't see the right. hope, I think that you're just trying to be angry, or you're trying. You said something about Brent Key, and you're just not willing to admit you're wrong yet. Which, kudos to you. I mean, stand by your guns, I guess. But I just the evidence shows me that he is more than competent head coach. Well, listen, and and one of the reasons we all love sports, and one of the reasons Joshua and I are sitting here talking about Georgia Tech athletics is our passion and our love. And if you are, you know, angry or upset or still, you know, like Joshua said, you've got some pre pre preconceived notion and you're going to stick by it, you have absolutely every right to do that. I think they you're wrong, and, you're, and you think I'm wrong, and that's okay. I, we don't have to hate each other. They have it. a predetermined read, and they're staring down their receiver. <laughs> but he, but to Joshua's point, <clears throat> in a team, in a conference of fourteen teams. At the bye week, six weeks into the schedule, three weeks into your uh, conference schedule, you stand at fifth in a conference of 14 teams. I don't know if we're going to end there. Behind us right now is Clemson, only because they've had four conference games and they're two and two. Behind us is NC State, who's four and two overall and only one and one in the conference. So they've played one less game. So is Virginia Tech, and they're behind us. Boston College is behind us at one and two. Um, Miami, that was their first conference game. 
Yeah. At 0 and 1. So I, I don't know where everybody's going to end up. I don't know where we're going to end up. I said, just make us relevant again and give us an opportunity to compete. And a giant bird just hit our uh, the window of where we record. So that's going to be edited out. No, we're going to keep that in. Yeah. <laughs> Let them hear the reverberations. Aren't the Boston College the Eagles? Yes. Yeah. So Whoa. they're scared. All right. Whoa, they're you like that? Us. Like that? Think it on our feet. You're in the middle of the pack. You're you're relevant again, and I agree with your word of hope. If you're watching this team and you don't have hope, then I don't know what you expect. Now I'm, you know, there the are, part that gets me host most hopeful. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's okay. This is then this year you have seen multiple true freshmen. Mm-hmm. Come in and make a difference. I mean, we've talked about Eric Singleton ad nauseum, and the, the kid is special. But in this game, Kyle Effort, who's a freshman linebacker, mm-hmm. he got some significant snaps, and I saw him around the ball a whole lot in this game. I mean, you're starting to see a lot of this, and you've still got Zach Pyron on the bench. Hopefully he doesn't you know, transfer. Um, Haynes King has been a great transfer portal pickup. Brinkey has hit on a lot of his um, – and evaluations, I guess would be the best of the word I was looking for. Well, and especially when he comes in, I mean, you've got a whole different team and you're having to try to commit or recruit your guys. And, you know, almost last second, you bring in so many kids and you're starting to see, I mean, Ethan McKinney has been a starting left tackle as a true freshman and he's been adequate, which is a huge step up for this offensive line. He made some kind of ACC all freshman halfway point team. I think it was from like on three or something. I don't know. But the fact that he's on there, the fact that people are taking notice of this yeah. is huge. Um, and then not to mention, I mean, there's still kids that we're excited about. They're talking about like Jacob Cruz. Zion Taylor was the wide receiver that was supposed to make a potentially make a big impact as a wide receiver. We haven't really seen him yet because you've had so many other guys contributing. Well, and, and not only that, but when you have a new coach step in and the team immediately plays better under their leadership. I listen, I, there's going to be a day where we talk about NIL in depth and there are plenty of people. The easy thing to say is we're not going to do anything until we get into NIL because these other teams bring in, you know, pay so much money for all these people. I, I get it, but I don't get it. And I want to have an old man conversation about NIL well, and what I mean, it really means. But, but, but that's I'm not looking my point. At, I'm looking that, at our recruiting that, class, that, Troy that, Stevenson. Okay. That's not my point. My point is Brent, you can still recruit. And here's the other key. The coach, especially in football, the coach, his job is to make people better. His job is, does do the players get better? That's what O'Leary did. <laughs> players got better and played better. Do the coaches put their players in a position to succeed by making them better and by game planning and setting up systems that help his team play to the maximum of their potential. This is a team that's got a long way to go, but they are playing very hopeful football. They are playing hard. They are tackling. They are, you know, blocking and tackling can improve, but at least I've seen some improvement from where we were. Now there, there are some people, oh, that's not hard. Well, you know, there are programs that go through coach after coach, after coach, after coach. Brent Key is off to a good start. And I hope he can take the next step and get us really competitive and competing to be ranked again. He's he's on the right track. You just I gotta, agree. You got to maintain it for multiple years, right? Because I, I continue to go back because I don't want to. I don't. I want to keep myself grounded. Right. But 
we had the same kind of hope with under the other guy, right? Because, oh, he's, he's I bring, never had that hope. He's bringing in some elite recruits. I, I never had that hope. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. He brought I, in, he brought it, he brought in some big time. I never had scores. this hope. What I saw was he's bringing in recruits. Yeah. I never, ever, ever saw those recruits perform. We had an occasional win within the here first, and there. within the first year where it was like, okay, well, we were transitioning from the option. He gets right. a little bit of a mulligan, and he's bringing in top 150 players. There's there's something potentially here, and but I never saw it. Never it, translated I never on, saw field. It on the field. The reason that Brent Key, uh, the reason I'm more hopeful with Brent Key is we've already seen it on the field. Yes, even when he was an interim. Yes, and now it's just looking better and better. Yeah. So I don't want. I want to keep myself grounded. But I haven't felt this good about George Tech football since 2014. Well, I <clears throat> I have felt plenty of times where I felt this good or better about George Tech football. But I'm older. I'm the yeah. Alarm. You've got a bigger you've got a bigger sample size than me. Right. right? Exactly. I know. <laughs> so this just I, there's there's potential that it reminds me a little bit of George. You know, O'Leary kind of brought this, and Key played for O'Leary. So yeah, that's an obvious you know connection to make. But it was very no nonsense. It was very go out there and do your job. And and George made people better. He made players better. His his staff made players better. I mean, just look at George Godsey. That's that's my favorite story. But anyway, we've talked enough. We are heading into the bye week, and that's Joshua. That, those those are our reactions to what we watched. We would love to hear yours. Tell us your story. Friend of show Kent reached out to me and texted me with some thoughts, and and I will. Hopefully I'll share them. I mean, he talked to me. He's the one who said, watch the press conference. He loves to, to watch the press conference. So uh, shout out to Ken for telling me about that. Feel free to email us, uh, joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you're seeing. Let us know your feelings and your thoughts at this point in the season. Because we're heading into a bye week. There might be a, a second half of the collab. Uh, we're going to talk about that with Dog over the bye week. But uh, if you if there's another show we need to be listening to, let us know about that. Tell us what you think and uh, make sure to email us at joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. And if you see, uh, Joshua, if you see someone as you're going through your life and walking around and you see someone in a tech shirt, you see someone in a tech hat, is there is there some little code or question? Well, it's a very that, simple question and everybody will respond the exact same way. But the question is, what's the good word? 